Hi, I'm Kosambi and a super hearty welcome to Shelf, the building blocks of commerce by Mason. Here we talk about the most exciting trends and technologies that are reshaping the world of e-commerce from apps to headless to composable to low code to no code. Well, the list is endless. Join in. I welcome Cloth. Thank you so much. It's always such a pleasure to meet you again and uh, you know just pick your brains on what's happening in the world of e-commerce. But before of course we dive in I would uh, for for the sake of our audience would love a quick little intro and um, also a little bit about your amazing background. I think you're one of the few people who have such a deep background in commerce and then you have moved on to helping others to create an e-commerce. So over to you. Yeah, thank you, Kaz, for having me on the show. My name is Klaus. I'm German. I'm doing digital marketing e-commerce for a very long time, digital marketing probably more than 20 years. I'm a Shopify partner and also a Shopify merchant for the last six, seven years. And so I have been through the whole journey of everything that e-commerce can entail and everything, every challenge that comes in the way I have probably dealt with. Nowadays, I'm running the e-commerce coffee break podcast, which is a Shopify podcast for merchants. Also, I'm still a merchant and I help other merchants with marketing optimization. That's basically in a nutshell. And uh, Klaus, um, you know, over your past experience, so many years, multi-decades now of being in e-commerce, it definitely makes sense for me to ask this question. Like, when you look at commerce overall, it keeps shifting over every five years. I think the first time we met was around the whole COVID, just breaking out a little before that and then through COVID. So what's uh, some of your you know, observations and how do you see like these rapid shifts in these last three years? I think e-commerce is still growing. It's the way to go and it will not go away. I think the, the main observation, people are always saying uh, things are changing. But when it comes to e-commerce, I think it would involve things have gotten on the one side easier for merchants. Shopify is growing, is adding more features, more benefits to the system. So getting starting is still easy. On the other hand, it's a very complex topic. There's so many moving parts in e-commerce that specifically if you're coming from a brick and mortar store or starting as a side hustler and then you want to go and sell something online, it can be just overwhelming. There's marketing, there's the technical part, there's fulfillment, there's shipping. There's a million and one offers and apps out there. And the difficulty for a lot of merchants is to get just clarity to find and to pick the right things that work for in their business. So there is no basic a blueprint that you can just strictly follow and then it will work. It's a lot of trial and error. It's a lot of A-B testing. It's sometimes very strengthener's journey for a lot of merchants, but it's definitely worth it. Um, it's a business concept that everyone can go into. If you have something to sell and there's a market, there's an audience for your products or for your services, but be prepared that you have to have with a lot of things on your plate. <laughs> That's very true. And in fact, I was speaking to, you know, another guest a couple of days back, and I think he's relatively younger and has spent, I think, a, a decade and a half, maybe, or less than that in commerce at the moment. And he was telling me about this interesting insight he had, which is, of course, it's a very complex, um, I think, pipeline and complex infrastructure, complex stack. On top of that, it's a very complex, uh, you know, multi-channel sort of a situation today. He works with a bunch of, you know, pet care brands. Brands and they're selling on Amazon, they're selling on Chewy, they're selling on Wayfair. They also have their own direct presence. There's like email and SMS channels to take care of. How do you as a brand even grapple with this complexity? I mean, it's, a, it's on all sides, top of the funnel, bottom of the funnel, everywhere, right? 
No, that's pretty true. I think the most important thing is that you get a grasp on who is your customer very quickly. Sometimes I see merchants or people that I work with that I coach and consult, they have a rough idea to whom they are selling, but in a nutshell, they don't know 100% whom they are selling to. So they sort of start with themselves and say, I would be the perfect client for my product. And then with a lot of testing and surveys, it comes out that actually the person who's buying from them is someone completely different. And once you have a really good feeling, understanding and data about about who is your customer who's buying from you, then the next step would be going out and go on these different platforms and trying to find them there. It's very, very difficult to be all the time on all platforms. So if you're running, I don't know, TikTok ads, Twitter ads, Facebook, Meta, Google, you do social posting on all of the platforms, it just becomes overwhelming and exhausting, specifically for small and medium enterprises that have not the manpower to work on all the marketing fronts to get the word out. So really start focusing on finding the right platform that might be Shopify, but it might be also Amazon. If your people, your customers are on Amazon, you don't necessarily need to have a Shopify or WooCommerce store. It's really finding the platform where they buy from and then where are they so that you can get your message out. So if you have people that are on TikTok, focus all your marketing activities on TikTok and don't try to spend too much money on Google Ads or the other way around. So there's a lot of research and discovery involved in the beginning and also ongoing to a certain degree, so that you don't waste too much money and time in your marketing. Yeah, but, you know, easier said than done, I guess. I mean, even as a SaaS company or a software company or a platform company, we hear about the same thing that is like the holy grail of what you should be doing. But it's the hardest part of the job because I guess one of the things that uh, we keep talking about is how it's so easy to lead your customers with your questions, right? It's so easy to, you know, look at the data and look at only like the data points, but not the context of what the user or the person on the other side was thinking or doing or feeling when they made that choice, right? When they made that click on that screen. So there's all of these are so disconnected. There's like qualitative, there's quantitative, there's also your, you know, conversational, uh, you know, research. What are some of the, I would say, guidelines in your years of experience that actually, and what are the tools that people can use to actually make sure that they're on the right path for that research? Mm really old school would be going and really picking up the phone and talk to your customers. A lot of merchants are too shy to do that, but that's the best way. Really pick up the phone after someone has bought from you. And you don't need to do that for every customer. You just do that for a certain amount of time to a certain amount of, of people and just talk to them. That will give you a ton of findings on how they found you, um, what made them buy, and so on and so forth. That's the one side. On the complete other end, and that's a bit of a prediction, I think AI will help you there. I think we were for a while now in a situation where you have a lot of suppliers, SaaS companies who bring you reporting, monitoring tools. They all create data. They pull out the data from all the different sources and present the data to you. Again, a lot of merchants are not data scientists. So for them, it's very difficult to interpret the data. They don't have the time to do so. So they're sitting there and say, no, I have all the data, but what can I read out of it? And I think artificial intelligence will be your friend there. So within the next, when I see the first apps coming out, they will provide you with digestible bits and pieces of data that will help you in making the right decision in your business. Yeah, that's a very interesting point of view, which is essentially something as simple as reviews, for example, really hard to do a very objective analysis of everything. But if you can run, you know, an AI engine on top of all your reviews, you might get insights that you never really thought about, right? Would that be a good example of how the AI can help? 
That's absolute um, great example. When it comes to the pure volume of data, AI will go much, much faster than you can through the data and will present you again with an overview with the outcome of what the data represents. And um, we will see that on different things. So it might be either customer support will help with testimonials with reviews. It might be where the traffic is coming from. Google Analytics just shifted to GA4. I know a lot of people are struggling with that. We included. It's a complete new environment. Really difficult to find what was easy to find before because you were just used to it. And I think there will be more, more and more tools coming out that just make it easier for you to go through the data to get the right results. And then based on that, you can make your decisions. And, you know, you spoke about the very bare minimum basic, the old school way, as you said, pick up the phone or, you know, stand at a dial when someone buys product very similar to yours, if not yours, try to understand what made that person pick it up and buy it and love it. It's so easy to lead, ask leading questions. I've done it myself. Like, you know, you you ask a question which sort of points the user in the set or the person on the other side in a specific direction that you don't want to. In your years of experience, I think like would be great to dive in into how do you step away from leading and how do you listen and yet how do you have a connection that you can understand the reason behind it because when you go to a person and you say hey why did you buy it you might not really get the right answer yeah, and that's the difference of having an online survey where it is easy to fall into the trap to formulate questions that are either yes or no questions, multiple choice. So basically, you give them already the answer that they can pick from. It's far easier or far better to work with open-ended questions and then just let them talk or write. Now, with writing, usually people do not have the time. So online forms, online surveys, polls, in my opinion, do not work as well. Usually, you get a very low conversion rate if you're sending out a survey of people who really do this or you have to bribe them really high with something for free that they will do it and that they might only do it because to get whatever the gift or whatever the benefit is so it's not completely honest so if you have them on the phone or you go to a trade fair or wherever you can really go into one-to-one interaction with your customers just ask them open-ended questions people will be more than happy if they have the time and you catch them in the right moment to tell them or tell you about their experience and about their problems and what they were looking for and so on and so forth. Obviously, you need to record this and tell them in advance that you're recording this and then afterwards you go through the recordings and take out or find the bits and pieces that are the golden nuggets for your business. That's really the best way to improve your customer service, to improve the customer journey, is really listen to the customer. And you also like, would love to hear from you like examples, practical examples, or rather your experience with working. You work with a ton of margins. And uh, if I ever do a brand, I know who to reach out to for sure. I'll be like knocking on your door. Some examples and anecdotes of, you know, I hear it very often from teams that we work with at, at Mason too. Early days, they're sort of kind of struggling to figure out that product market fit. They're still a little iffy there. When you talk about their ICP, it, it covers a breadth of, uh, you know, different use cases and people and never that really sharp entry point. Some examples of brands that you've worked with, you've helped and how it's totally shifted their, not just their POV on their brand, but also the way their growth, you know, trajectory was. I think, yeah, for me, there's like two bigger groups. You have the groups that are coming up with a specific product that solves a specific problem. So there it's very easy because they already come with a product market fit, or at least they come with a product that solves a problem. And then if it fits the market, that's basically the next step. If people are really willing to buy or spend money for it. The other ones are more the ones that are coming from 
started as a side hustle or want to be becoming entrepreneur, want to get out of the nine to five job, started often with drop shipping, um, not necessarily Alibaba, AliExpress, but some kind of drop shipping. And they usually go into a mass market. So talking about beauty products, talking about health products, talking about fashion products. And this is basically a very commoditized market. So the products that I have is a commodity. There's a million and one other sellers out there selling and sourcing the same product. And then they try to either compete over the price or just do trial and error and hope that something in the marketing strategy they are following will stick. Now, that's a big problem. So they don't really niche down. Specifically in, in the beauty or the fashion industry, they say, my customer is somebody in 25 to 34, the usual Facebook ranges interested in yoga and is vegetarian and does this so this is my female perfect customer and that's about it and they don't dig deep enough into a either sub market a sub niche in there that they can address a smaller market more specifically with their marketing message that brings me also to the value proposition a big problem that a lot of brands have a lot of businesses have is they don't really have a value proposition that speaks to their audience so there come a lot of most of the times they come from the we perspective. We have this best product. This our product can. So that's not necessarily that people are interested in. People are interested in themselves. So they want to know what's in it for me. So it's like you can get this. This product will make your life better. You will look better. Whatever. So so oftentimes the first thing I work with my coaching clients is to get your value proposition right. And that's often really flipping it on top, saying, no, no, we can talk about you at some point in the user journey, but right now. We talk about what's in it for the customer. And that's that's so important because obviously the internet is a very fast medium. And if you are not able to communicate what you have to offer to a potential customer or client within five seconds, they will most likely leave your store or your website. So very important to get this right. No, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's always such a pleasure. And like in a short amount of 20 minutes, so much of information for me and so much of learning. But before we sort of close out, Klaus, I'd, I'd love your, uh, you know, thoughts on you broached on a really hot topic of for that's a top of everybody's mind is AI, right? And everyone's talking about it. We see implications. I personally use different kinds of AI in different parts of my personal or professional work. I recently found this app, which sort of, if I put in a podcast recording transcript, it actually pulls out all social media, you know, posts for me. And that's great, right? Because I, I can literally be a one woman show running that entire, you know, seasons of shelf without having to have, uh, you know, separate social media or a content creator, etc. Uh, everything's like ready at least for me right so there's so much empowerment i think for uh, the unicorn of one or the unicorn of three like all these things that we hear about where two or three or small teams essentially or individuals can do a lot but retail is complex it's a very very complex domain and as you said some of the subcategories within retail are so crowded they're like you know red oceans they've always been red oceans right what are your early thoughts you know how do you see this evolving how do you see how do you see ai impacting from the top of the funnel you know we spoke about a couple of examples but overall you know how do you see the success today even today in retail 60% of the market is you know all very young brands and they're all you know competing and trying to just find their voice do you see that sort of ai making an impact of making that 60 percent maybe 20 percent 
That's a very good question. I had the pleasure in the last six months to have a lot of developers, app specialists in the AI sector on my own podcast. And I'm trying to be the dumbest person in the room. So they are really on the forefront when it comes to AI. And my question always to them is also, is like, where do you see where does this AI train go to? And I think AI is a double-sided sword. So first of all, it's a huge time saver. And I think that's the advantage that every merchant should really look into or take advantage of is using AI as a time server. So pick the, the tools that help you in your day-to-day -day business. And I think everyone using is ChatGPT right now as the earliest thing. But as meanwhile, a ton of very specialized AI tools might be, as you said, either for podcast, uh, content creation, image creation. There is AI for everything. So you have to pick the right tools that work the best for you. And also for the customer journey, I think it will help a lot of stores to get better. I'm not saying that you will get for instance, within Shopify, a, a personalized store as you get it already in Amazon. Because if you have shopped a few times on your Amazon account, Amazon will basically build you a individualized store with products that you're potentially interested in. Now, they're doing this for a very long time. It might, to a certain degree, also work on Shopify or WooCommerce at some point that depending on your user behavior, and that's where AI comes in, your store or the products that will be put in front of you in that store will come from the AI working in the background. So that will help also smaller brands to put the best selling products or the products that are the best sellable to that specific customer in front of them. And that might have a direct impact on average order value, conversion rate, and all of that. On the other end, was always when new technologies came up in the last 20 years, there's a bit of shiny object syndrome. So as a merchant, you need to be careful not to try out everything. Then it becomes a time waster again. And really trying to create clarity for yourself on what helps you best. Right now, I think the AI market with all the apps that are coming out, and now there's a ton of apps coming out every day, is a little bit overheated. I think a lot of them um, will not survive the next I don't know, 12, 18 months, there will be apps that just will vanish. But that always has happened. But more important as a merchant is take the advantage of AI as a time saver in your day-to-day -day life and try to use AI from a customer experience view in your store. So if it makes sense to help the customer to find a product, then put a specific AI app into your store. But don't go crazy. <laughs> That is so true. Early days, I remember our entire team sort of like exploring personally, my friends exploring so many different apps. And, and then now there's sort of like we have all reached this uh, sort of middle ground where we know that in certain things, yes, it still makes sense. But in a lot of things, you know that they, it's not like human intervention or your thoughts or your creativity sort of go out of the picture. There's still so much that you still need to kind of like, you know, clean up and rework. And more importantly, how do you speak? to the AI or prompt engineering in other terms, but how do you connect and how do you communicate with the AI also really, you know, has a huge impact on what you get out of it. So one interesting, you know, thought experiment over there for me is that, like, do I think or what do you think, Klaus, is that do you think better communicators will have a better edge in the future if you can communicate really well with the AI on the other side, you can actually like get stuff done better? That's 100% correct. Yeah. Um, I think everyone has to learn how to formulate prompts. If you can't do that, if you can't formulate what you want, and that's like everything in life, you don't get the right outcome out of it. So yeah, I think um, the better communicators um, have a better chance to get more out of it. <laughs>
<laughs> on that note thank you so much i'll hope to bring you back again maybe in 6 months or so and then we'll see uh, you know how the landscape changes before uh, we close for the day class a couple of quick questions just for the audience to get to know you better kind of like a pseudo rapid fire what book are you reading at the moment like what's and some interesting you know thought from that book I just finished for a second time Tim Ferriss' Tools of the Titans, which is very good. It's interviews with founders, leaders in every kind of field. It's a big one. I recommend to do it on, as an audiobook. It just goes quicker. But there is so many golden nuggets in there, not only for business, but also for life that I can highly recommend that. Second, are you watching any Netflix show or any, any specific like media or podcast out there which you recommend for this specific audience, for people in e-commerce that apart from your uh, show, of course, that they should definitely follow? Yours is number one. I want you to say that and then the rest. <laughs> <laughs> There's a ton of different podcasts, obviously, in, in the Shopify and e-commerce world that I'm listening to. I would definitely, one of my favorites is the unofficial Shopify podcast. That's a very entertaining one. Um, it's more from the aspect of a merchant. I'm usually coming more from the aspect of the solution providers. And that's definitely a podcast that I would recommend. Awesome. Thank you so much. And yeah, that's a wrap for today. Hope to get you back. Klaus, if someone wants to reach out to you, what's the best way to get to you? Just Google my name, Klaus Lauter. That's Klaus with a C. That's C-L-A-U-S-L-A-U-T-E-R. Or visit my website at klauslauter.com. Super. We'll link it out in the show notes below. And thank you so much. That's a wrap for today. Thanks so much. And that's it. That was awesome. And thank you folks for listening in. If you enjoyed the chat, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast right here. And of course, do hop on to Mason at www.getmason.io. That's www.getmason.io. We got more Ace in the Hole insights, conversion tips, and just everything that you need to scale your e-commerce brand. Catch you next time.